Welcome to the Wealthy Woman Podcast, aka your holistic guide to being a wealthy woman. I'm your host, Donnie, and on this show, I talk to the dopest women experts, entrepreneurs, influencers, corporate baddies, and occasional wildcard guests while they share their wisdom from the experiences that brought them to where they are today. So let's upgrade our lives together, but more importantly, let's get wealthy. On this episode, I am speaking with Kayla Burke. You might know her for being a tech sales influencer on social media, but she is so much more than that. Over the past seven years, she has built a substantial career in tech sales, and she has sold over $5.7 million in software sales. Now she dedicates her platform to teaching people how they can break into tech sales as well and have their own successful career. She also recently launched her own podcast called the Big Boss Energy Podcast. And so far, she's already had over 100,000 views on YouTube on her first episodes. So congratulations to her. That is amazing. And so today she is going to get really into detail about what it's like working in tech sales and what it really takes to be successful. So if you are interested in getting into tech sales, this is going to be such an informative episode. So I highly recommend that you get comfortable and as I always say, take notes. So without further ado, let's go on and get into the episode. So, okay. So I wanted you on the show because you are the tech sales baddie and everybody, um, yeah, like all the girls are interested in getting into tech lately. And um, I know that you're an expert at this and you have been doing this for a while. So to start things off, can you kind of give us some background on how you got into tech sales? Yeah, so um, I've been in tech for eight years, but tech sales more specifically for five years now. Um, And I pretty much got into tech sales through a IBM. I was at IBM and they have a program called the Summit Program. Um, So I was working like back office, like business analyst, you know, your normal IT job that you get when you're in college. And um, I decided that it wasn't for me. And I made a phone call and really utilized my network, um, which I feel like is something that I always advocate for people is to really tap into networks at specific companies, especially if they're like the top five tech companies, it's a lot easier to navigate your way in, obviously, if you have an advocate that can help you get in. So um, that's kind of how my story went. I was really just over my current situation, I picked up the phone, reached out to my network, and I said, yeah, I really want to move to Atlanta, and I really want to be in a major tech company. Like, um, do you know anybody you can put me in contact with? And a close friend of mine connected me with somebody who immediately was just like, have you heard of sales? Because I think that is what you need to be doing. Um, so I was completely unaware of it up until the point that I just got insight and knowledge. And from there, the rest is kind of history, <laughs> honestly. That's dope. I think it's so funny because everybody or most people, you know, that you hear out in Atlanta, like they are and, you know, they they mainly focus on trying to be an entrepreneur first or some kind of talent or whatever. Um, And I think the running joke is like nobody in Atlanta has a job, but you (laughs) do. (laughs) No, literally. Um, And that was a major adjustment, honestly, moving to Atlanta because I love the culture of Atlanta and the dynamic. But then getting there, it was very hard to navigate in the circle socially. just obviously because like you said, not many people are doing what I'm doing. And then it's like um, midday, like is when I can meet up with you or this or that. I'm like, girl, I got work. (laughs) Okay. Like I got work too. (laughs) Um, Right. (laughs) Yeah. No. And most people that I know that work in tech, like most of them are in California or Miami or like, Mm -hmm. and so I can only imagine how difficult that is maintaining your friendships, but also like focusing in on your work and being productive. But yeah, you know, for sure. I think people could um, take a page out of your book. <laughs> so yeah. Um, okay. So, do you feel like getting into the tech industry? Do you feel like it's difficult now because everyone's trying to get into tech, or do you feel like it's still an easy industry to break into? Um. So I don't think I. I think that's a narrative online that I'm trying to like be more transparent about. I don't really think getting into tech is easy. I think that it's um it's positioned for a lot of people who may not have college degrees or additional money or resources, but the actual learning and skill set, I think a lot of people are, you know, like kind of like at a disadvantage if they think it's easy. Um, I do think because statistically there's a huge market where there's a huge demand for these skill sets 
obviously it may appear easier to get the job, but I wouldn't say that it's necessarily easy. I still think that a lot of people who you're seeing online, if anything, it's harder for them than me. Like I went to college and a professor taught me all this stuff. I didn't have to sit at home and, you know what I mean, spend countless amount of hours putting in dedication to studying courses, going through boot camps. So I think for me, what I've seen change in the market more specifically is that now people have an opportunity who may not come from, um, you know, those types of backgrounds of like superior education, went to college for all these years or had an extensive network. Now you have other opportunities and doors open. So I think that is making it easier to access the tech industry. Um, but I still think as a minority woman, yes, um, because of affirmative action, obviously, and things in place in these companies where they have to hire a certain amount of diversity. Um, and within our community, the skill set is not prevalent. So it, it becomes like this advantage. If you do have the skill set, it is easier to navigate your way in. Um, but I'd like to put the narrative out there that it's not an easy industry. It, it definitely takes a lot of hard work. And I, I definitely feel like there's like this huge misconstruction online of people just like, oh, I can get in in a week or whatever. And it's like, let's be for real. <laughs> you know what I mean? It takes a lot of hard work at whatever you're trying to do to become very fluent. And um, I would say an expert at it. So I like people to know, yeah. like, it is easy to put yourself out there and get a job, but what it takes to maintain that and become really great at it definitely takes a lot of, a lot of hard work and perseverance is what I would say. Yeah. And yeah. thank you for being real about that because yeah, yeah a lot of people wouldn't be honest. You yeah. Know? <laughs> um, yeah. Cause people want views, people want sales, you know, so mm -hmm. they're like, oh yeah, get into this. And it's like, you have know what you signed people. enough for. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, you got people investing thousands of dollars into these boot camps and they're like, well, I can't get a job. And, um, you know, it's taking me like longer, which they think like three months is long. And like, I mean, just any job, like, you know, my first job took seven or eight interviews, like these massive tech companies, you go through like sometimes extensive months of interviews just to even get placed. So it's like the perception that it's just this overnight hustle is definitely something I'm trying to bring more light to um, because that's definitely not the case. <laughs> um, but right. I do think it's extremely lucrative. Um, I think it puts you in a position to easily generate six figures, um, scale that to wherever you really want to take it. There are some millionaires, everyday millionaires in tech. So, you know, just putting yourself in a position for that type of financial freedom, I think is really, really positive, especially in our community more specifically. Yeah, most yeah. definitely. Yes. Yeah. So, okay. So can you break down what exactly tech sales is? Like, are you selling software? Or like, what are you selling and who are you selling it to? <laughs> yeah. So it varies. Um, and that's really a great answer because I could be selling software. I could be selling services. I could be selling consulting services. Maybe you sell infrastructures like data centers and databases and, and actual boxes or hardware. You could be selling laptops or surface. You know what I mean? It's really any type of... Um, challenge that you're solving where there is a business. So a really great example I like to utilize is, um, okay, for example, let's just take Starbucks. So Starbucks comes to us as a tech company and they're like, hey, we really are having a problem managing and tracking our day-to-day -day operations of cups and utilities and all the things that it takes to operationalize that business. Um, and we have a software that can track and count and cup and, you know, do all these things. So um, essentially, we would position ourselves and sell the software to prove out the value, prove out the capabilities or whatever is necessary for that problem that they're facing in that business that needs some type of technology to solve it. Um, same goes for cybersecurity. You know, like let's say there's a company or a bank, they need to protect our sensitive information and our data. They need to go to tech companies essentially, and you would have a security seller or somebody like myself who is able to help break down these problems and challenges and tie the value that this software can solve, whether it comes to reducing costs or operations, um, you know what I mean? Like really anything that it relates to as we can tie the value back to the ROI with the customer. So I would say it is many different roles. Um, it's not a one-man process. It's a team. So you have some something called an account executive, which is kind of like the quarterback is like how, how I like to um, frame up for people who may not be in tech. Um, so they're the quarterback. They kind of like manage the relationship with Starbucks or that specific account. And they have the direct tie-in with, you know, the stakeholders there and, and um, the CEO, C the chief security officer, all these different technical personas internally. 
Um, and then when it's necessary, if Starbucks is like, well, we're having a major security problem, your account executive will go call on a security seller or, um, you know, like a seller that may sell the operational tools. So um, you could either be like someone who's more so managing the relationships and the accounts and the business, or you could be more of a, a step deeper. And it's like, you call me in to specific deals for specific challenges. And that's my area of expertise. So that's kind of like an overall gist of like what the process is like, how it works and kind of like what the goal of somebody who is a seller looking to penetrate into these types of accounts. That's kind of like the goal of what you would be doing. Got it. Okay. Yes. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. So if someone is trying to, you know, get into this industry and they want to get a job in tech sales, what would make them stand out as a, you know, like, and be a stronger candidate? Yeah, I would definitely say having some type of sales background, you know, obviously is golden because you tend to see that sales isn't really a skill that a lot of people just like. It's a very like personable skill. It's not something that you could just go in a classroom and somebody teach you like, hey, go sell this pencil to somebody. And of course, we all see that example of sellers, but it takes a definite type of person and personality to like land with people, resonate with them get them to feel comfortable to speak to you and open up, you know, like, um, so I think people who are very highly uh, emotionally intelligent and have the capability to read the room, understand people's emotions, understand how to like bring out the best in people, sometimes uncover things or have difficult conversations, positioning um, demonstrations or uh, presentations to people being very well articulated, um, I think there's just a lot of personal characteristics. A lot of people focus on the tech. And I think like the curiosity is a major aspect. So you're tied a lot with having to break into billion dollar accounts or multi-million dollar accounts on a regular. So if I task you with, hey, I need you to get in contact with this person, you kind of have to be curious to one, figure out how can I get in contact with them? Where are they? How can I find them? You have to be like a little bit of a hunter. Um, and we use those terms hunter or nurturer. Um, you typically don't get to just only nurture until you develop yourself a lot more and move up into the into the chain of things. But initially, you start out as a hunter out here trying to hunt, find deals, um, find opportunities or understand challenges that businesses may have and land and position that product. So I think if you are really, you know, have a lot of grit and tenacity, you can really stick at things, um, really great at people understanding people, connecting with them, communicating with them. Obviously, I think that you have a really great foot in the door. Um, and then the other half of it is how well you can understand technology, whether that's like from the whole landscape of the business, you know, are you turning on CNBC to understand how the stocks and the market cap is affected when we close on these earnings, you're selling, you have to be very well aware of financials and that industry as well on the impact you're driving every day when you wake up. So um, just being very well educated and well rounded as an individual when it comes to just the economy, um, companies, the latest news, business, tech, um, those types of things is what I would say would definitely make you stand out as a seller for sure. This is very dynamic it is, yeah. and it sounds really technical. <laughs> it is. Um, it's really fun though. Like, I enjoy waking up and my job is to have meetings. So, you know what I mean? Like, that's really mm -hmm. it. Like, the strategy is something you learn. Um, the processes is something you learn. And it just takes time. You know, I've been doing this yeah. for five years. So when I first started, I wasn't as, you know, sharp and just on my P's and Q's the same way. It took uncomfortable situations with customers or just being put out there and just giving it a go to really feel more confident and more comfortable. But I would definitely say the more educated I became about technology um, and really fine-tuned myself as an individual to be way more, um, what's the word, knowledgeable about what I'm selling, it became way more fluent for me to have these discussions because it didn't feel like I was selling something anymore. It's just like, okay, I actually know about this. I study it. I'm talking about it with customers every day. I'm hearing different businesses' challenges. And that's, and that's like all coming together for me. And I know how to like deliver those messages better, but it takes time. Um, so I would just say, be patient with yourself. Don't feel like you have to know all these things coming in, but I would say strive to be that type of individual. If you do want to be a top performer in the space for sure. Okay. So when you, um, get a role in tech sales, is it, do you have like a base salary and then commission on top of that? Or is it all commission? 
Yeah. So that's why I actually like this industry. Like, you know, there's car sales, there's real estate. Obviously, there's a ton of industries where you can go run up a bag selling. Um, the yeah. major difference is that we have very high base salaries is what I would say. Um, you know, if you're a real estate agent, you eat what you kill. Um, and that's just how it goes. You don't have someone just paying you to go out there and figure out who can sell, who you can sell a house to. So I think that cushion yeah. of typically, you know, I would say I have a mid six figure base, but like I said, it took me a while to get here. I would say, you know, coming in, I had like maybe a $75,000, $80,000 like padding, which is still amazing. You know, like that's a job in itself right there, just paying your bills. Yeah. So um, when you then add on your on-target earnings or OTE is a term that we use in the space. So being able to add on. So when you go into a tech sales interview, you'll essentially hear them say your OTE is 200K. So what that means is like, okay, you have the potential if you are on target when you sell your products to make 200K, but we may only give you 100,000 of that upfront. You got to kind of like hustle for the rest, but um, they typically give you a percentage of your base as what you can make in sales. Um, I've other, okay. also worked other places where like it was a percentage on just the sale, kind of like um, real estate. You get what I'm saying to where it's mm -hmm. like, um, like if I close this deal, I got X percent of that deal as a commission tie-in. So really great. Okay. Taxed really heavily. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very heavily. So just make sure you have all your stuff set up with your accountants if you do enter the space and stuff, because you'll start to like have a lot of free flowing cash that's coming into you uh, quarterly and you definitely want to figure out how to navigate that financially as well. If you're used to just getting okay. paid in two weeks. So it's, it's uh, on that money like that is coming in as commission, you do you have to pay taxes separately on that or? No, so we just get taxed way higher. Like, I think I get taxed at like 35 to 40% on my commissions. It's like pretty insane. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, if I made like 30,000 in commission, I'd probably bring home like 20, 21. So, like, they take a lot of it okay. up front. Um, I will mm -hmm. say um, I have businesses and, you know, other things outside of work. So, it definitely helps me to navigate with my taxes in that sense. But yeah, if you don't have any of those things going on, you would definitely just be taxed at the highest off rip and you ain't getting that money back. So you definitely want to do things like put it into your 401k or like figure out what your company has, like that can kind of like come out pre-tax so that you're not taxed mm -hmm. at the highest percentage um, as you, as you start to like climb up the ladder and start to make more money in the space for sure. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Cause all that can be really tricky to navigate. No, uh, no matter like what you're doing, it's like it, it, once you start making a certain amount of money, taxes is just. <laughs> right. And then with us, it's like you don't know what you're gonna make till the end of the year. So like your tax bracket is kind of mm. undefined. So yes. that's really important okay. that you have a tax strategy with somebody in the beginning. Cause it's like okay, well, what if you're like making 150 or under, but then what if you hit like 190 this year because you went crazy like you're now in a whole different tax bracket. And then you may have been getting taxed on last year's salary. And then now you owe them money at the end of the year. So it's just very important. I always tell everybody in that stress, get you a financial planner if you're about to be in tech sales, getting commission checks. You know, most people have never really gotten a 20 or $30,000 commission check just added to their paycheck every few months. So it's like knowing how to handle that definitely, I feel like will set you up for a lot of success with that type of money and just cash coming in so regularly for sure, you know. Are you able to do your taxes quarterly or do you still just kind of do them for the whole year? I'm not sure. I really haven't talked to my tax guy about doing it quarterly just because like, like I said, we want to like see what the whole year produces before. So it's okay. kind of hard to like, uh, I guess, project that. But I don't yeah, know. Yeah, no, that I makes sense. Yeah, I never really listened to it that way. Yeah, no, the only reason I ask that is because I know, like, you know, with businesses, like, that that's an option is, like, you can do yes. it quarterly. So I just didn't know if that would be an option for y'all. But yeah. yeah, I didn't really think about it. Like, yeah, it might, it, it just might help. Like, if it's an option, it just might help to, like, do it in little chunks, you know? Yes. For sure. But, um, okay. So when you are navigating, like, your conversations while you're in these meetings and stuff, I'm sure you deal with a lot of men all the time. <laughs> so, like, how do you navigate those conversations as a woman, um, even as a black woman? Because I'm sure, like, you know, men just sometimes they feel like they know everything or whatever. So, like, how do you navigate that? Yeah, I feel like I learned very early on, especially being, like, young and cute and attractive. Like, people will kind of just downplay your knowledge. Um, 
You know, like I felt like I got kind of boxed in in the beginning to like, you're just a pretty girl. Like we don't really expect you to show up and do much. And it just started to kind of be like, well, actually I'm one of the smartest people in the room. Like I definitely have more I can contribute. Um, So I think just working on things like my self-confidence, how I articulated myself, how I showed up and positioned myself, my body language, my everything about myself that I felt like, okay, well, I do have value to add and I know how to position that. Now, I don't want to be like a bulldozer and come in the room like I know it all. But once again, having that people skill, having that adaptability and understanding, okay, like, well, what they respect is knowledge. Like men, they're all ego driven. They're very like, you know, well, I know the most or I this and I've been in this game for 25 years. So like being able to show up and just start dropping gems or adding value to the conversations was enough for me to start to see a shift in how I was respected and and, and, um, received, I would say, because um, now you can't really take that away from me anymore or you can't use my age or my inexperience or all the things that work against us. I feel like it's about pinpointing those things and refining them and figuring out a way of like, okay, well, if this is how you view me, I know I can show up in this way or I know I can present myself in this way and um, it'll be received better now because I'm actually adding value. Oh, I went and got this customer. Y'all couldn't get the response to call us back. Like, okay, she, you know, she got something to do. Like she got something to say now. So I feel like my respect was definitely earned. And I started to really position myself. Like I'm going to be the number one person on this team. I'm going to start letting y'all know what's really up with me. <laughs> and from there, this guy was the limit because I started to really show up in a very numbers way, which is important if you're in sales, right? Like nobody really cares like, I always like to use real estate because I feel like so many people see that on Instagram. You know what I mean? But, like, you don't really mm-hmm. click the realtor with three house sales. You want the realtor that did 400, you know, $4 million last year in house sales because then it, it just establishes your credibility. Like, oh, you get high-earning clients. Like, you clearly have a certain type of clientele. So, like, if you use that methodology and, like, transfer it over into tech sales, it's the same thing. Like, I'm sitting in a room with people my parents' age or older They've been working on this software for years. They've seen different transitions in the industry. So, of course, they're already coming in with the perception like, what does this kid out of college know? I done seen it and and been through it all. So the more that you educate yourself and put yourself in position to help people see like, that's not the case just because I'm young or just because I'm this doesn't mean I can't learn quickly and adapt. Um, And I would say that's definitely what really separated me, I would say, and my work ethic for sure, like. Okay, so these are older men that you're dealing with. So you don't actually deal with a lot of people your age in the industry. Um, I would say in tech sales, like there's a wave now of a lot of people my age, but even still, I find myself being the youngest on a lot of teams, like, and I'm 28. So imagine coming in when you were like 24, like it was even way harder back then when I'm like 23, 24, fresh out of college. Like I said, like they didn't see us, is now starting to be a thing, but Most of these companies, when you think about billion dollar accounts, what they were doing is they were taking very, very experienced people who had the sales aspect. So that may mean you worked on development projects, huge organizational projects for years on end, and they would position those people on billion dollar accounts. So now there's been a lot of shifts in the industry where you have kids like us coming fresh out of school, you got these programs, and we're getting placed on these huge accounts. And you definitely have to earn your respect. When I first started, they would be like, don't say nothing on the calls. Like, you're just here to shadow and listen. And, you know, and that's not just me. That's anybody, like, that's that young because, I mean, and they they kind of kicked it to me, like, okay, like, would you buy something from your kid? So when you understand, like, that's the perception that they have, like, yeah, I am trying to convince my parents or somebody of that age group that I'm educated, I'm well-versed, and I can advise you on how to construct infrastructures or technology ecosystems within your business. It's a very hard hurdle, I feel like, to get over. And the only way to get through it is to be extremely on point with what you know and your information because they can't take that away from you. Like I said, like now if I start answering all the questions you asked me, you might have a little more credibility. Like, yeah, she's young, but she knows what she's talking about. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it definitely was hard in the beginning, but... I actually like working with males a lot more than females. Um, Honestly, like it's a male driven industry, but I've learned a lot of things from male sellers. And I feel like women, I do feel like we can be better sellers. That's just my two cents. 
um, because I do feel like we have a much more personal touch as women um, in general, just how we're made and our, our natural feminine energy and essence. Um, but males have a very, very great way of working without emotions and really being task oriented and money driven. And I feel like taking both pieces, if you get what I'm saying, like the personable mm-hmm. touch, then taking that skill set from men, learning like you can't let nothing get to you. You kind of have to keep moving and, and move a certain way when you're trying to make some money. Like the combination of that was just like, okay, I found my, found my, my juice. You know what I mean? Like, so that was really cool. I'll say that. Yeah. 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 I was going to ask you that. Like, do you feel like you have to, um, at times, like bring your femininity to like, you know, to help with the sale? So like, yeah. do you ever, like when, when you say you use your femininity, in what way are you using it? Like, are you being more playful? Are you stroking their ego? Like how, how is this going? <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like when I say using my femininity, it's just, like I said, being emotionally intelligent. I think that men, when it comes to displaying emotions or just even anything, like when I get, when I notice, when I see two men on the phone, um, it, it turns into like this non, just naturally, like they're not trying to do it, but it's a power struggle a lot. Men naturally just receive women a lot differently because of how society runs, like, right? So you're not going to be as hard on a woman. You're not going to be as like rude to a woman. Like it's just certain yeah. things. I feel like men have a different level of respect when conversating with women. And I feel like it allows me to kind of have their guards down a little bit to be able to have a conversation in a different way. So I don't think it's something I naturally do or like try to like manipulate men or anything like that. It's just more so like that feminine touch goes a very long way when conversating with powerful men. And I feel like if you know how to tap into it in a very professional way, um, Mm -hmm. you can just stand out a lot. I, I just noticed that a lot. And I think a lot of guys would say the same thing. Women just have this touch about them, this intuition about them naturally um, that I think can really help if you're a seller. Yeah. yeah. And I think like a lot of times as women, when we get in those spaces, we think that the way to win is to adapt and take on their energy and be really masculine and like, yeah. you know, but like you said, it's a power struggle at that point. And I find that that really irritates men even more when they have power struggles with women than if they were to have a power struggle with another man. Um, And so I I love that you brought that up. And I think that that makes a lot of sense. Um, And it's not even, I think that's the thing. Like when you're actually already naturally in your feminine energy, it won't really necessarily be hard to be feminine in a conversation, you know, but when you're always operating from a masculine place, it's like, you have to go that extra mile to like really navigate the conversation. Like, over, you yeah. Know? yeah. So <laughs> like, I'm like, whatever you want to say, sir, I'm here to listen. <laughs> I'm just here to listen. Yes. Yeah. Advocate and adversary to you. I'm not trying to go back and forth in this power struggle. I'm not trying to argue with you because that doesn't accomplish anything. The goal is to have me advise you on something and be a trusted advisor. Like I always use that term. Like I'm not a seller. I'm a trusted advisor. When you go to your financial advisor, of course, he's selling you uh, a stock plan or a portfolio or index fund that you can invest your money into. But he's your advisor. Like you want to trust this person. You want to feel comfortable opening up to them. You don't want them to just feel like, well, give me your money and let me just put it up and do something like I need an interpersonal relationship with you outside of whatever we're trying to accomplish. So taking those same things and understanding like you have a problem and if you knew it all, you wouldn't be here because you need help. So we're here to like exchange and, and respect each other in that way and, um, you know, allow, respect me enough to like, you know, suggest whatever I need to suggest to you. But um, yeah, it's been, it's been a really cool experience. Like I said, I like working with the guys more. They not catty. They not into it. They not doing none of that. They just here to make some money and honey, that's what I'm into. So it'd be working out. It'd be like, okay, like yeah. mono cream cash rule everything around me you know what i'm saying like kind of like <laughs> so are the, are the women like are they competitive or like i've always found i found that working with women they don't share as much they're not as open like mm-hmm. it's kind of the same like i said you know when two men talk think about two men talking about a basketball game like nah bro he did this he did this you know what i'm saying it's the same energy and it's the same energy with women like sometimes women don't like to see other women 
that are powerful and dominant and confident that may trigger some things within you. Like it's just different things. Like I said, I think the biggest thing is being a people's person and internalizing and understanding how people operate and how do you navigate in a space when you're all about people and what they need and things like that. You start to learn different things. Have I right now I have a woman manager. She's like bomb.com. I love her. So I'm not saying like I haven't had any great experiences, but I tend to notice a pattern with like women, especially women leaders and the way they want to be respected and things of that nature. Whereas men are just a lot more easygoing and don't tend to like expect certain things that I feel like women do, honestly. Yeah. No, I could totally see that. I could totally see that. So what is like a realistic timeline? Like when you first get into tech, right? Tech sales Mm -hmm. specifically. Uh, what's a realistic timeline that someone can expect to like get to six figures or get to making six figures in their salary? Um, I think within the year, like it really just depends. So like, you know, most of your entry level, like it's called a BDR, SDR, your typical entry level into sales position. So mm-hmm. let's say you get a base around 60 and your OTE is 120. That is super on par, like a 50-50 yeah. package. Um. But things to be aware of if you are interested in coming into this space would be, one, what product are you selling? It's going to be a lot harder to get to six figures if this isn't something that is dominating the market. It's not something that's being infiltrated or companies are adopting internally. It's going to be a lot harder to push that product. Um, There's things like a recession that we're going through now, budgets with companies, COVID, like the past three years, like, I mean, I had like one or two, 18 months of like amazing, like, oh, tech sales, this can go through the roof. This ain't hard. And then boom, like the economy shifted, like the world shifted. There was like so many challenges I had to get deals done and being creative and learning how to really sell through, you know, heavy times. Like this is a heavy time to be a seller. It's not easy. Like whether that's housing, cars, any market, we're on crazy inflation, crazy rates. And, um, you know, it's it's just a high market. We're in a recession right now. So I would say within the year, but things to keep in mind to get you to that six figures is, am I going to a company that is a market leader? Am I going to a startup where it's going to be way harder to penetrate this market and I'm having to sell the brand of this company as well? Obviously being at like somewhere like Apple, it's not going to be hard to sell an iPhone. It sells itself. You know what I mean? But if you're somewhere else, and you're trying to sell a competitor to Apple iPhones, now you have to go in and really sell the value on why somebody shouldn't go where they already resonate. So keeping those things in mind. Industries I really recommend are finance, healthcare, and um, finance, healthcare, data, and security. Like those are my top four. I tell people like you want to position yourself to sell into those types of accounts. There's always a need. Hospitals will keep on buying. They'll keep on needing things, whether people, whether there's a recession or not, there's a need there. You know what I mean? Finance, banks don't shut down because it's a recession. They're the main ones being infiltrated right now. So like thinking, like I said in the beginning, tying that in, understanding the industry, understanding the world around you is extremely important for then translating that over to where do I want to position myself to get some money in this industry? Well, if I know electric cars is a new wave that's coming out and now everybody's going to follow in line with Tesla, hey, I might want to go to an electric car startup because within the next five years, we may be able to penetrate this market. You know what I mean? So it's just like thinking very well-rounded is, is how I like to tell people to position themselves to make that six figures, um, if that makes sense. Yeah, it sounds like this career is for somebody that's like really sharp and really on yeah. their toes and stays up yeah. to date with everything that's going on. And like, yeah. you, you, like you said, you have to be real, well-rounded. It's not going to work if you just stay in your own little bubble and you don't know much yeah. about nothing. <laughs> yeah. That's anything in tech in general. Um, so what people have to understand about the tech market outside of tech sales, let's say you want to be a coder, an engineer, You know, what I went to school and I learned to code is not necessarily the most popular language now, seven to 10 years later. So as somebody in this industry, you have to stay adaptable to things that are happening. And if you just take a look around, things change really rapidly. Like everybody's like, oh, AI and data is coming out. But like, guess what? When you were talking to your Alexa app for the past five years and your Siri, it was embedding and training those things to learn the same thing that ChatGPT is doing or this or that. Like, We've been doing it. So now it's going to hit rapidly because it's been in process for X amount of years. So with that, let's say that now they may come out with no code, like as a new new push. There's no code. Software is coming out. 
So if you went to school 15 years ago, of course, the stuff that we're doing now in tech is completely different. Um, Think about somebody who started 20 years ago when AIM Messenger was a thing. And today, 20 years later, that's not a thing. You have to be somebody who's extremely adaptable and, like I said, curious and constantly learning. I will say I feel like I'm always in school. Like I always got a certificate I got to take. I always got a test. I got some at work going on. And I'm like, oh, my God, like if I wanted to stay in school, I would have done this. (laughs) But I just like to be transparent about that because it is a never ending learning thing. When new features are released in a product you're selling, you got to learn it. So it's like the demand of this industry is just so crazy. Like it's like every year, every two years, something new, something comes out, it disrupts something. You know what I mean? And it's just like, whoa, like entering this, I had no idea. Like I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to take one cert or two certs and I'm going to just get in. And now I'm like, oh, no, baby, you're going to be taking plenty of certs. You're going to be learning all the time. You're going to be called into stuff that you need to learn rapidly. Think about if your company comes in and they're like, you know, we're just investing um, $100 million into this new space and we want you to go sell it. They don't care about what you did before. Now it's like, go sell this. So now you got to learn a whole new product, a whole new industry. So adaptability is just one of the biggest, biggest things in tech. Because I could leave sales and go become an engineer at my company if I really wanted to like take the time to learn it. So as long as you're adaptable, you can go wherever you want to go. And that's also the benefit. Because if I did not like sales after I'm going into my sixth year of sales, ninth year in tech, and sometimes we just get bored. Like I've been doing the same thing every day for years on end, maybe in a year or two when I'm like, you know, reaching my 10 year max, I may be like, okay, you know, I want to just go do something else. I want to become a project manager or a program manager and run programs now and see how the business can develop internally. You know, you have that flexibility to really like set your resume up and your skill set up to do whatever you want to do. So I think having an adaptable mindset and a growth mindset is extremely important in this industry so that you can really land and expand wherever you want to go. That's really dope though, because there aren't a lot of industries like that where you can just kind of be fluid and move through different roles. So yeah. Like you can't go from being like a nurse to like the doctor. A doctor. (laughs) I'm saying you can't go from the the, uh, admin at the, the, the nurse's office to the nurse. Of course you can, but it takes some formal education. Whereas here it's like skill-based. So as long as you learn the skill, you get you a little year, some experience, some shadowing, you can go ahead and navigate into a new space, which is really cool. So do you feel like you need to have some type of degree to get into tech or not really? No, um, I think that's changed. I know when I first graduated about two or three years after most of the big five tech companies waived degrees completely, like we didn't, you don't need that to hire. I think you stand out a lot more, to be honest, if you can self-teach yourself. I think they like those people a lot more because, like I said, it's a reoccurring and always ongoing learning thing. So if you've proven to us you can really master learning on your own, we know you'll be successful in this industry long term because that's what you're going to continuously have to do. When I have a cert to take, they don't they don't teach us. Like, we don't get courses. We don't get anything. It's like you come into work and they're like, when you want this job, you need this cert done in six months. So you need to go find the time, the space, the discipline to figure out when you're going to take it by the deadline. Um, And I think like, you know, college is a lot of being taught things. Um, And I think that, you know, I think like times have changed and they've just realized, like I said, when you're in a skill based industry, it's kind of like a mechanic. That's a skill. You know how to work on cars. So no matter where we throw you or no matter where we position you, you're going to be able to get this job done. Um, And I do think that people who um, come from a background of self-starter, self-learner, they typically do extremely well in this industry. And I think that's why they ended up waiving so many degrees because they realized tons of people was going to college, but they wasn't graduating with skills. And that's the whole thing. Like you went to school, but you come on the job and do it. So why would we hire you over the 16 year old in his basement who learned this and he's, he's cold as hell at doing this. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. I definitely think that there is so much room. And I think it's so cool that we're like the biggest, you know, like trillion dollar industry and they don't even require degrees for most stuff. It's just, can you get it or not? Can you hop on a skill and, and you know, show up and be professional? Really? That's it. Like, And I love that because it just yeah. makes the playing field even finally and, you know, in such right. a good industry. So that's dope. Yeah. Uh, so circling back to the AI conversation, 
do you feel like um, there are certain roles that are going to be obsolete soon because of AI, like within tech specifically? Um, yeah, I mean, it's just natural. Like, I think that there's just going to be natural progressions. And every company, I think what people have to understand is most companies are trying to minimize any type of cost and increase profit. Like that is the goal of running a business, right? How can we get in at the lowest price and make the most that we can make? So if we know that buying a software and we don't need to put anybody at our front supermarket stores anymore, because now we have self-checkout, like why would we keep paying somebody to scan groceries when you could do this yourself? We have machines here. You know what I mean? Of course, I may have one person now who needs to come over and scan your liquor when you got an ID or, you know, like something very small. But that could be one person versus before it used to be four people or six people because, you know, we didn't have the, the means to do this type of stuff. You got cars that's about to start driving themselves. Like, will that change the game for Uber? You just have to think about how all these things are going to reduce headcount. And I think the best way to position yourself to not get lost in this transition is to get the skills, some type of tech yeah. skill. Because if you're going to be able to work on it, on the technology, like you'll always have a job. Like those same machines might break down at the, the grocery store and then you have a job now versus like before your job may have been using the machine. Now your job may be supporting or fixing the machine because you have the knowledge mm -hmm. on how it works. Maybe now you can fix the bugs on it. So I think it's like people should just be aware, like, you know, um, like I just saw that the U.S. government is like trying to create some app to like start to push digital currency. How would that change bank tellers? Like everything is already like being out here. Like so it's about right. thinking forward. You know what I mean? Like we see it online. We see things dropping. But it's like I don't think people are really thinking about like the, the trickle down effect on like, OK, who is this going to target? Am I somebody that this may target? And if I am, how do I position myself now before this happens to get on the side, you know, the winning side, like, is how I look at it, honestly. Yeah. And that's exactly the point I was about to make. Like, yeah. every, like, because I know back when, you know, the internet first popped up, everyone was like, oh my gosh, you know, the same, the same conversation was happening. As a, yeah, yeah, the same way. Yeah. <laughs> And it's, like, it's actually created so many jobs and ways for us to make more money and make money easier. So I think that's the thing we all have to keep in mind is like if whatever you do right now can be replaced by AI, you just need to shift around like because there's going to be more goals popping up that complement what's being made right now. So I think I think you just have to like keep an open mind ultimately. And the days of like doing the same job for 60 years or whatever, like or 40 years, whatever, it's, it's gone. So you just don't have to yeah. get over it. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like interesting because you have to think like the people who created those systems probably only have another 15 to 20 years in those leadership positions. So now like people like me, you know, in the next 10 to 15 years will be in leadership positions. Like if we mm -hmm. stay in tech. So now we're dealing with kids that are coming up right now and it's going to be a whole new wave of people who grew up in this were immersed in it completely differently and yeah. had a completely different learning curve you got kids that are one and two on youtube when we were one and two we didn't have that that, that capability because we didn't have access to those type of technologies you know we might have played yeah. a little nintendo video game or mm -hmm. something but we wasn't able to search dictate to things like you know there's already a natural learning curve that's going to exist between the people emerged in technology from birth <laughs> to now yeah. so i think like just thinking about all that thinking about how if you're a parent how do you position your kids for success in the next 10 years are you looking at the trends of where things are going are you advising them to maybe go to college maybe are you somebody who's like wow i can't afford for my kid to go to college and you could just take some money and put them in a skill-based course right now and save that money. You know, it's about how do you like adapt to the times that we're in and also position yourself to not make the same mistakes that our parents may have made or we may have made and allocated all this debt. Think about somebody like me or people my age who are like, you know, approaching 30 in their early 30s who really did go run up $100,000, $200,000 in debt to do the same thing. People are coming out in five to $10,000 and getting the same types of jobs as you. Would you give your kid that same advice, like go to college like me, or would you just tell them, hey, go spend five to 10,000 and try to get you a job making this and avoid the debt? You know, so we're right. in different times. And I think people have to really start to think, how is this going to impact me? 
How's this going to impact my friends, my family, people around me? And how do I spread knowledge to put them in position so they don't get hit by that effect of what's coming when it comes to data and AI, personally? Right. I think yeah. economically that would do... I mean, it is because it's like the the, the yeah. shift is already happening. So I think economically that's going to do wonders for the next generation and the right. generation after that once they get to adulthood and they're like, you know, in the yeah. workforce, it's like you don't have to start with all that debt. And that's amazing. Yeah. No. Okay. Sure. So for people that are like, you know, they're wanting to get into tech and they want to take your courses, which uh, course would you recommend for people that are like, newbies beginners yeah so um the course i recommend is called course careers and i can give you the link so you can um you can link it on the episode or whatever so people are aware on how they can sign up but um yeah all the links are in my bio for my one-on-one private consultations that i do so i run strategy career calls helping people understand the tech market as a whole kind of what i was telling you like it's vast do you want to be somebody who's creating software selling it do you want to support it do you want to implement it do you want to consult on it you know, there's a million different ways you can go. So for somebody who may not have the intel or knowledge, I have like, you know, one hour chats where we go through like the industry as a whole, help you position and strategize. Hey, how do I want to get in here? Um, mm-hmm. So that's something that I offer. But then I work with a ton of brands um, and courses where I can give discounts to people um, and they'll all be in my like link. But like I said, the main one for tech sales that I want to shout out right now is called Course Careers. I've had uh, about, since the year started, maybe 45 people go through course careers already, like through me. Um, So that's a lot of people for just two to three months, um, and they've been getting placed. They've been giving me really, really positive feedback. Um, Some people have gotten placed in as little as two weeks, and then others, it takes like two to three months. But I mean, that's a $450 investment. So why Mm -hmm. I tell people is that's amazing is because I went to school. I graduated. I had to pay off a year of debt when I graduated. Thank God it wasn't more than that. But there are people who are not that financially stable and they still want a great paying job. And here's the opportunity, you know, for $450 to not only learn tech sales within an accredited program that's blowing up, tons of people you can go on YouTube, see their testimonials and all that. But then they also work with you to get placed. Um, And another company that I work with that I want to talk about. they basically, it's called Pathfinder, um, Pathrise. And what they're doing is they're helping people to learn the skills. Once you get the skills of the bootcamp and sales, are you interview ready? Are you resume ready? Because all the fine touches on an individual really do matter when you're showing up to present yourself. When you go for a sales interview, you want to think about how they're going to perceive you because they're going to decide, is this person somebody I can put in front of a billion dollar customer? So being able to present your best self not all of us. If you didn't go to college, you may not have a career access and resource. So I would say those two things like really, really are what I would say is really, really a great place to land because one, you get the boot camp, you get the foundations, and let's say you get a job instantly. Great. But let's say you're also somebody who may need the boot camp and you, ne- you may need some professionalism skills because you never entered a corporate industry. You never worked in corporate America and you need to know how to navigate. I do think that program is also really, really amazing because it helps people to get placed um, and get the skill set and the support they need to get through these interviews and get through these super deep technical discussions that they may be having. Yeah, that sounds like a great resource. And yes. I, I, I think I've heard of Pathrise, but I didn't realize that's what it was. So yes. that's dope. That is really yes. cool. So y'all better go get her course and go get <laughs> logged in on Pathrise. <laughs> take advantage yeah. of that. No, seriously. Yes. And um, yeah, for course careers, I have a $50 discount. So it's really $500, but with my discount, it's 450 and they even have um, like kind of like Karna. So you can go ahead and pay off Ooh, every two okay. weeks for like six weeks. Like, so the same way, girl, you go buy that $400 bag that you pay off every two weeks for $125. You need to go ahead and get you some skills <laughs> and right. to make some good money. Because like you got to think about it. We really go out to eat and spend $100, $150. Like we're talking about yes. the same things we all go out and spend money on hookah and this and that. Sometimes it's like, okay, maybe take that money for six weeks and build it up and go put yourself yes. in a position to go make six figures within 12 to 24 months. 
You know right. what I mean? You can stay at the house for a few weeks and save that hookah money. Right. <laughs> you can. So while you're working at home, girl, you can go ahead and get you your hookah and sit at the house. Yes, at the house. In the next six weeks, you know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, for sure. But it's really lucrative, and I definitely really am encouraging. I'm so inspired that everybody's like, hey, was the tech baddie? And like you said, there's this, like, whole online wave and presence that's, like, happening for me right now. So it's very... Okay. Is very inspiring to see like something I was just like, okay, yeah, girl, I'm gonna just go work in tech and do this. It's really inspiring to see so many people now like getting insight. Cause like I said, I got a call and it was just like, hey, you should do this. So now it's kind of like me doing the same thing and putting all my homies on like online. Like, okay, like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, this is my gang, this is my like followers online. Like, now I'm gonna put y'all on to what I was doing to get all this money and live my life like this since everybody's like interested now, you know? So it's really cool to see the dynamic shift. And it's yes. become that was cool. Cause like six years ago, people were just like, girl, what do you do? Okay, cool. Like nobody was like intrigued. And now everybody's like, oh wow, you can make all this money doing yeah. this, this job. And now everybody's intrigued. So the shift has been insane. And I'm like really happy that, you know, our space is blowing up and getting popping now. <laughs> like, yes. And I think the thing that I love about you is that because you already have a career that's good um everything that you're doing as far as teaching and all of that it seems and it comes off really genuine and it yeah. doesn't just seem like a cash grab for you you know like you really are trying to help people and it's not just about like trying to make a bunch of money off of people so um it shows for sure and I think that's why people really take to you and like you because they're like she don't have to be doing this, you know? Like, you <laughs> like this is like another job in itself. But like I said, when I get those messages, like you really helped me. Like I just got a LinkedIn message. Like, let me see what it said. The girl was like, um, I took your tactics in a room full of men this week when I had a cloud architecture presentation and it really landed so well. Like those are the messages where I'm like, I had to spend so many days and nights going through phases and I cried my eyes out and I'm like wow they don't take me serious and how can I show up better and then like somebody can now watch a podcast or interview and see like I went through this experience and then boom just go apply it where it's like I didn't have a mentor or a best friend or somebody like the homie like just like you know what I'm saying like oh girl it ain't nothing you can navigate this way or do this it was really oh girl you got to figure this out to hit your number and make some money like Mm -hmm. you know this is this is how you pay your bills so um, really blessed and fortunate to have the platform and the, and the space to be able to help others is what I will say at this point for sure. Yeah, that is yeah. that's amazing that you even are finding the time to judge it. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> no, literally. Yeah. So shifting gears really quick. Um, you of course you have like you know, your regular content, your personal brand, all of that. And then, of course, you talk about tech sales and social media. So how do you balance the two? Like, how do you juggle that and decide what you're going to post? And, like, what is the strategy behind that? I think my strategy is just batch everything um, because I don't have time on a day-to-day basis. Um, You get what I'm saying? I don't have time on a day-to-day basis to always – posts. So I have to be very strategic. Time management is something that I idolize. I have planners. I have help. Um, I'm at this point now where my socials are growing so much that I hired a personal assistant. Like I have to get help. Like it's just, I'm at the point now where I can't do everything by myself. Um, you know, and that's very hard because I'm so particular and I like quality and I like certain things to come out a certain way and going in the studio. And I like doing my stuff the way I like doing it. You know, like I could just set up a camera and do it But I think people also resonate because they see that I put the effort into like making my stuff worthwhile of watching and having a certain level of of quality. So, um, yeah, I got my podcast that we're about to start, too. So that's going to be awesome. I can't wait. But, you know, we spent 11 hours shooting two months of content. So it's like Mm -hmm. really just making the sacrifice, staying down and creating a plan, sticking to it and saying no matter what. No matter if I'm having a bad day at work or this, I still have work to do after work. I still have something to do on the weekends, you know, and just saying no sometimes. Like, I can't be there all the time for my friends, my family. Um, I'm a pretty selfish person when it comes to my time because my time is, like, my best friend. It helps me make money. It helps me do everything. So the more spread out and thin I am, I really can't accomplish and perform at my best. So 
being able to really have the discretion on where am I trying to invest my time and energy and where do I get the most return on my money and, and whatever I'm trying to accomplish is kind of how I wake up and navigate my day to day. But I would say strategic planning, finally trying to get some help and um, just batching a lot. Like I'll spend maybe one, one day a month for 12 hours, like editing. Um, but then I have like content for four weeks straight. So it's just really more so like a lot of back end like editing and content. Um, and like I said, we're getting to the point now where I may go get an editor and I may go get this, but it took a while because I didn't necessarily have that much money coming in from social media to where I just wanted to invest all my personal money into it. So it's a natural progression, right? Like it's like, okay, I started a business online. Now it's growing and expanding. I have to go get a team. I have to get things in place to help me sustain and keep on growing just like my career and the education or anything else. So taking what I use at work and like the strategy of time management and being personable with people who get on my one-on-one consultations, um, a major realization I had was like, how can I do my job after work and make money? So what I mean by that is at first, like about two or three years ago, I had a hookah business and it was doing amazing, but it was so different than tech that it was so many conflicts. So I was like, okay, well, what do you do every day? You sit on meetings and you talk to people and you help them. So I was like, well, how can I do that? For myself and then it became a lot easier to merge my natural business with my life because now i'm doing the same thing i'm just on a virtual podcast or i'm on a meeting i'm like doing the same exact thing that i would typically do in my day-to-day job but just applying those same skills and skill sets to my personal brand so that's what i would say really helped me and how i stay afloat <laughs> in the midst of all of the things that i try to run online at one time no, I think that was the perfect breakdown because I think people don't realize, like, like, I think people just assume because, you know, like when you have a lot of followers or whatever, like everything is just flowing and it's like, no, yeah. it's a natural progression, just like it would be for anyone else. Like yeah. you build as you go and, you know, and you just make it work until everything is flowing the way you want it to be. But yeah, you're doing good though. You're, you're juggling it very well. <laughs> <laughs> So speaking of your podcast, you are starting uh, the Big Boss Energy Podcast. So what made you want to start your podcast? So um, honestly, like I just, I've always seen myself like having a talk show. Like since I was a kid, like I've had this reoccurring like vision. I tell everybody like I literally have had dreams since I was a little girl of me just always, I would have the same exact dream over and over again. And it was just me always talking to people on a stage. Like, I don't know. So about like a year ago, I started doing like, um, I first started off doing like career chats and it was just like, yeah, like everybody would join and I would just throw a zoom on. And it was like, the response was insane. Like, I think the first one I had like over a hundred people join and I was just shocked. Like, wow, all these people want to talk and and communicate. And the more I started putting out content, like people would be like, wow, you're so natural at speaking. And like, wow, like you speak so well. And like things that I was just taking as very like, oh, that's just me. I started to realize like, no, this is your skill set, and you really have to like hone in. Like you really motivate people, you help them. Um, And it's crazy because, because I wanted to do this podcast for about two years, but I kept asking my friends. I always wanted like a co-host or something. I kept asking them like, y'all want to do a podcast? Y'all want to do a podcast? And it got to the point where I'm like, all right, bump bump that. I'm about to just do this on my own. And I think it was the best thing, honestly, like not like saying like I didn't want to do stuff with my friends. But sometimes when you got a vision for something and you want to execute it a certain way, it's for you. Like the dream is just not for everybody else. And I felt like I had the platform already. I had a ton of followers. I was kind of like, okay naturally you're already doing YouTube. You already put yourself out there. Like this is the next progression. And, um, I just told my friends, I remember this was like right before B Simone dropped her podcast in young Miami. I told them, I was like, nobody's really doing like important topics in a lifestyle way. Like it's just all podcasty. And if you go back on my page, I started doing tech videos in a lifestyle way. Like I would just be kicking it on the couch or like in a studio. And I was like, I still wanted to give like a talk show feel, but I don't really want to talk about like talk show, like girl drama or like any of that. Like I want to talk about real topics, but more so like in a chill, comfortable way, because usually chill, uh, 
usually more serious topics, they don't really relax or kick it or like you might have a hoodie on, like you might show up in a suit. And I just never really resonated with that because I'm like, that's not me. That's not how I show up to my meetings. That's not how I've won. I've won truly being myself. And I feel like when you're comfortable, you're yourself. And um, I just wanted to like enter this space in a different way. And I feel like yeah, I want to just showcase really big people doing really big things. And um, I feel like the attention's always on me and people are like, how did you do it? How did you do it? And something I had to do to become who I was, was learn from so many others. And I think that that is a very important skill is like, yeah, I got money in tech, but I went and bought my first house because I learned from a real estate person. I didn't learn that from a tech person. So it's like, how do you become a boss? And I feel like you can't really be a boss unless you really know about a lot of different things. How can you navigate, handling, dealing with people? How can you put employees in place? How can you scale things? How can you take whatever you're doing and maximize it and become big and be that big boss energy? And I just was kind of like sitting around one day. I'm like, you always, my first name was Boss Bell on Instagram. Like, everybody calls really? me Boss Bell. Yeah, like, it was like a pretty boss. So from the time I was 16 to about two years ago when I rebranded myself, I was always known as, like, the pretty boss. And it was, like, boss. I didn't want to call myself Boss Bell. So I was like, ooh, big boss energy. Like, and then it just one day hit me, and I was like, okay, like, I'm going to move forward with this and execute on it. So, yes, the first episode is dropping this week. And we have real estate, tech, finance, um, and just all those different areas, even entrepreneurs like, you know, hairstylists who are making $20,000, $30,000 a month. Like everything is not for everybody. And I want people to feel like what's for them will resonate with them. So if you don't want to go to college and you want to become the next arrogant Tay, I want to give you the roadmap on that. Or if you want to become the next biggest, you know, Grant Cardone, shoot, I want you to know about sales. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, empowering people to be them best selves requires them to really fine tune their skills and knowledge. And and that's pretty much the point of big boss energy is to give people dynamic ways to like understand people's stories so that they can apply that in and grow as individuals themselves and whatever they want to do. I think that's dope and I'm excited for it. And everyone that's listening to this, make sure you go subscribe. Yes, I would love that. Literally. Yes, I will be um moving out there soon. So yeah, we okay. can make that happen. Yeah. Where are you now? What'd you say? Where are you located now? I'm in Dallas. Ooh, I love Dallas yes. though, girl. I love Dallas. <laughs> I've been here forever, so you know, I need energy. <laughs> no, I feel that. But no, but I yeah, love Dallas. It. Dallas is cute. It's cute. Yeah. It's all right. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. But no, I'm excited for this new venture for you. I think that's going to be really dope. And yeah, I went through the same thing. I felt like for years I wanted to have a podcast. I felt like I needed a co-host, all the things. I even had a co-host when we first started the show. Um, but it just, I needed, I wanted to take it really serious. And I was like, I can't be inconsistent with it and her schedule was all over the place. So I was like, nah, I'm gonna just make it happen and we're gonna be consistent and show up even Literally. if it's just me, <laughs> me and a mic. <laughs> if it's just me and a mic, we're gonna make it happen. Okay. And nothing gonna stop yes. the show. <laughs> yes. Yes. No, but I think that's dope. And I can't wait to see it launch and everything because I know everyone's gonna love it. Thank um you. can you give us a teaser of like some of the people that'll be on the show? Because I know you said you recorded so many hours already. So. Yes. So we, um, yeah, we actually like literally already started booking the second showing even before dropping this. Like the response just on me announcing it has been insane. So I'm like super excited with just the support that I've been getting online initially. But yeah, we have um, some really, really cool people. Like I have somebody who is a extremely popular influencer who's going to talk about like you know, how they navigated to becoming one of the top 100 YouTubers um, and how to land brand deals and become a millionaire. Like, how do you do that? Um, I have hairstylists, like I mentioned. I have somebody who is um, top 40, under 40 in the country at financial advising, African-Americans. So um, a real estate, you know, Airbnb millionaire at 24. We got it locked and loaded, y'all. We got really, really dope guests. And other tech people just like me, because that's a new hustle now. I feel like a lot of people were sleeping on it. So now we got to like mix that into the bunch because, 
You know, mm-hmm. I have somebody who came on this this uh, set who's making forty thousand a month doing contracts in tech. So really, mm-hmm. just putting people on to like, look, where the bag at? Okay, like if you want to get yes. some money, I'm gonna get the people to come on and really shed light on how they get to this bag. And I think it'll be really, really insightful for young African American women like myself, but just anybody who's interested in just elevating themselves and really getting to a new space in whatever they want to do in life, honestly. That's dope. I love it. I'm excited. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So to close things out, I always have to ask everybody this question. What does it mean to you to be a wealthy woman? Hmm. I think it means to know that that representation really funnels into a lot of other things and people It's not really about yourself. Um, I think that is the biggest lesson that I've learned is all of the things that I know now wouldn't really be beneficial if I just kept them to myself and just kept moving the way I'm moving. It wouldn't allow for other African-American women to show up and look like me. So I think when you're blessed with wealth and you're blessed with a platform and you're blessed with people who actually want the best for you, it's just natural to return that, honestly. Like, it's just that's your responsibility now is to put other people on. And I always feel like you can't really be a boss unless you help other people get in position. Like that's something I live by. So it is really like a blessing in itself for me to wake up every day and not worry about my bills being paid or being able to go to the nicest vacations and lunches and whatever. But outside of that, how do I connect with my community? How do I give back and really empower people? Because all the doors that have opened for me have been through somebody else feeling the same way. And and I feel like there's tons of other doors that can open for other individuals if we all show up in that way and have that type of mindset. So I think that's what that means to me. That's dope. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel you 100%. Yes, yeah. it's all so. about sharing, giving it back, keeping it going. So yeah. yeah. So. Okay, girl. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. How can people find you? How can people follow you, keep up with everything? Yes. Um, so on my YouTube is just my name, Kayla Burke. And my Instagram is the Kayla B underscore. Um, and yeah, from there, I have links in my bio. So you can reach me through email. You can reach me through a one-on-one private consultation. If you are interested in the boot camps, anything that you know we talked about today, all of my links are in my Instagram um, and YouTube bios. I just hopped on the TikTok wave, so I don't got that many followers on there, but you know my name is the same as my Instagram handle, as my TikTok. Um, And yeah, you can find me on other people's podcasts on YouTube if you want to hear more things like this. I've done a lot. There's more coming. So really on the internet, boo, (laughs) and on LinkedIn, obviously, if you're looking for a more professional way to like understand my history at work, see things that I've done, see people I'm connected with. I would definitely say LinkedIn is just my my name, Kayla Burke, as well. So that's how you can find me. Awesome. Okay, y'all. Go follow her. Go keep up with her. Go follow her on TikTok. <laughs> that's my jam. TikTok is my jam. So. <laughs> okay. It's not the two I'm like, I, I'm a little too old for this. I'm in tech, but it's a kind of complicated. I'm not really picking up <laughs> TikToks yet. I got to bear with me. I just been copying my reels and pasting them on TikTok. At Girl, this no. I feel like an old lady. I don't know why I cannot get with Instagram lately. I just, it's God. just, girl, I don't know. I'm like, am I not? Am I getting old? Like, what's going on? But, um, right. yeah, but no, it's a blessing in itself. So it's just follow yeah. me if you can find me. But, um, no, thank you for having me on today. I really appreciate you reaching out and asking me to come on for sure. Of course. Thank you so much. This is great.